0: Well, 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 hello, and thank you, Jungle Jim, for that wonderful, wonderful musical introduction. What a talented fellow that Jungle Jim is, over there behind his big electronic, uh, what is that? That's some type of electronic piano, organ, uh, instrument, all decked out in green for St. Patrick's Day week. Look at him, he's just over there with his green shirt on and his big green hat. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a great introduction, what a talented guy, our musical director, Jungle Jim. Hi, this is Jim Marr, and this is failing up. I hope this uh, recording finds you all having a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'm recording this on the uh, weekend of March 13th. Actually, it's Sunday, March 13th, as we start kicking off into the St. Patrick's Day week, which is really a, a very big week for many around, uh, well, this neck of the woods. You know I'm broadcasting from the Bowels studio located in the bowels of the basement. On the shores of the mighty Seneca River, leading up into the Great Lake Ontario, flowing up to the St. Lawrence Seaway, past 1,000 Islands, out into the Atlantic Ocean, and right over to the Great Emerald Island of Iron. God bless it. You make a left, you're going to go to Buffalo, grab some chicken wings, go a little northwest, you're going to go into Toronto, you go southwest, you're going to go right over Niagara Falls into the Great Lake of Erie, the Lake Superior. Superior Lakes. So They're called the Great Lakes. Lake Superior is one of the Great Lakes. There you go, knock on wood. Bing, bing, bing. So uh, St. Patrick's Day weekend, a big celebration. Of course, uh, it's hard to become too festive underneath the pale of war and uh, human abuse, crimes against humanity. I can't pretend that that doesn't exist. I can't pretend that, you know, on the other side of the world, there's tremendous suffering and and homelessness and separation and just essentially murder. And it's really... um, something to just keep present and and under you know one thing when you're able and I've been fortunate enough to travel around the world you realize it's a lot smaller place but at one time I used to think well you know it's so far away it can't, it's real no matter the distance the suffering and the pain and the horror is real and um, you know our prayers go out to all those in the Ukraine all those innocent people innocent people in the Ukraine minding their own business and just being attacked for what? For minding their own business. Horrific, absolutely horrific. Here in, uh, you know, as I broadcast here on record, I should say record. I'm actually broadcasting. and recording. You're uploading. I'm recording. That's how this thing works. That's how this stuff works. Upload, record, upload, download, inload, outload, like a belly button, in and outy. But the uh, the community here. In the region I live near Syracuse, New York, has a tremendous Irish community in an area called Tipperary Hill. And part of that community, right on Tipperary Hill, is a part of Tipperary Hill. One of the actually probably one of the most famous Irish bars in the country, Coleman's. There's a Coleman's in Syracuse. The, um, the site of the original Coleman's um, um, was established by um, I don't know the father's name, but then was taken over by the son Pete Coleman, who just passed away in his 80s who just revitalized the whole neighborhood and right on the borders of this, uh, bar restaurant. There's another Coleman's in New York, uh, his brother, or, you know, DC, I'm sorry, in DC, I think it's still there. But, uh, right, right there is the Ukrainian community, beautiful Ukrainian church, Ukrainian community. And there's really a, a symbiotic relationship between the, uh, Irish on tip Hill, which really isn't all the Irish anymore. And, um, in the Ukrainian community on Tipperary Hill. So there's a lot of a lot of support, mutual support up there. And here in this in this region actually yesterday was the big St. Patrick's Day parade, one of the largest St. Patrick's Day parades in the country. It sounds impressive but after like the first 45 minutes you're looking at a lot of trucks and uh, you know pretty much anybody who can put something green on a wagon. But it's a great time, it's a great festive. There hasn't been a parade in in two years. If people come out and celebrate And Syracuse, New York, Tipperary Hill on Syracuse, New York, in Syracuse, New York, is the only place in the world, in the world, where the green is on top of a traffic light. The green is on top, and that goes way back, um, you know, uh, when the Irish came into Syracuse. A lot of Irish, when the Irish came over, you know, the great influx of the Irish in the the, uh, 19th century, the mid-19th century, the 1840s, 1850s, all the way up. You know, uh, there was a tremendous influx of Irish, and a lot of the Irish landed in New York City. And, uh, naturally, some of a lot of stayed in New York, a lot of stayed in Boston. Uh, many came up northeast, uh, because at that time, this region was a very prominent industrial region, and there were salt mines, and there was the Erie Canal. And so it was a lot of work. And so the Irish came up here, and originally they formed in a place called Liverpool, New York, because that was where all the salt was being, uh, I guess, mined or dug up, whatever you do with salt. That's why they call Syracuse the Salt City. Imagine that. And, um, and eventually, uh, it, the population moved to an area called Tipperary Hill. And it was named Tipperary Hill. And uh, a great, tremendous amount of the influx came from County Tipperary. My relatives, my, my uh, great grandparents, came from County Tipperary. And the MARS, M E A G H E R, and many others came from County Tipperary. So they formed Tipperary Hill, became like the, the Irish section. And way back in the day, you had two parts of you had the St. Patrick side of Tipperary Hill, and you had the St. Bridget side of Tipperary Hill. It was a much larger community. Now it's more shrunken uh, into what they consider Tipperary Hill. It's more uh, revolving around some landmarks, but it's still a great you know traditional area. And uh, but for the longest time, the you know the red was on top, and this group of I think it was fellas actually would go out and they would throw stones at the traffic light and break the red light on top, and they were called the Stone Throwers. And the stone throwers would go out and they would break the traffic light. Every time it was fixed, they would go out and break it again. Eventually, the city seceded, gave up and said, hey, okay, green on the top. And it's the only traffic light in the world where green is on the top. And that's uh, the the crossroads of Tipperary Hill. And there's a park there where the uh, Irish flag flies and the colors of Tipperary, which ironically seem to be the same colors of the Ukraine, are flying, the blue and yellow. And so um, it... uh, It's a real, you know, uh, Irish kind of traditional area. And you have this Coleman's Bar restaurant, which is a really big, popular place. And uh, there's the oldest bar in Syracuse, Nipsey Ryan's up there. And there's many other little places and a lot of history up there. And if you go back in time, it's it's where a lot of um, the roots, not only for the region, but around, you know, there's a lot of uh, spread from that area, this little area on Tipperary Hill in uh, Syracuse, New York. Which is, where, which is where my family uh, is originally, uh, ended up. My family ended up. And as we go through this uh, week of um, St. Patrick's Day celebrations, what I'd really like to do is um, focus, you know, t- tell a little bit about my history, my Irish history, and how my family came over you know, and the adventures that I have, but how important that, that Irish um, heritage is, and not the Irish heritage of, of drinking as many beers as you can or getting as drunk as you can or, or that kind of stuff. Because the, you know, the, the Irish were known for that, and that's kind of a very simplistic, uh, insulting kind of um, way to look at the culture of the Irish. The Irish are writers and politicians and poets, uh, athletes and actors and artists and musicians. And I think to look at the depth of this culture that came over here uh, because of oppression, because of starvation, the relationships that were formed, forged because of that, and that's what I want to explore in the podcast this week, leading up. Starting off, you know, with my family, as we talk about Tipperary Hill in County Tipperary, up in uh, Syracuse, New York, where the green is on top. You know, my great, my great grandparents ended up in that area, in the uh, late part, in the early part of the the 20th century. Actually, I think they ended up there the late part of the 19th century. My family comes from a small farm in a place called Templemore. Which is located in Tipperary, right at the base of Devil Bits Mountain. Devil Bits Mountain is um, in Tipperary, that's where a lot of the Mars are. My name is M A H A R, the original spelling is M E A G H E R. If you were to look up the name, in the, well, they don't have phone books anymore, but there's many variations of the name. The original name is M E A G H E R, pronounced Mar. So when they cross over on Ellis Island and you say Mar, however, they uh, agent at that time decides to write it down is what your name becomes in America. So there's M-A-H-E-R, there's M-A-H-A-R, there's M-A-R-R, and there's M-E-A-G-H-E-R, the original spelling. And so the Mars are located primarily in Temp- uh, Templemore, in the area of Templemore, Ross, Ross Commons at the base of Devil Bit Mountain in County Tipperary. My family came from uh, on a farm named Anfield in Tipperary a farm that was named Anfield in, in Tipperary and um, it was really uh, they were rebels they were they were rebels and they were Fenians and they supported the the revolution in Ireland when, the, when the, uh, the treaty was taken to England and it was signed that not the entire country of Ireland would be free but most of the country would and then some providence in the, sort, in the north would still remain under English rule. Sparked a tremendous civil war in Ireland, which caused the death of Michael Collins and uh, the Black and Tans. And my family was that were actually rebels for the Fenian cause, the Fenian fighting for Irish freedom. And um, some of my family members had to leave because, you know, they were Fenians. And one place you would end up is Van Diemen's Land, which was Australia. And they did end up in Australia of, of their own accord. So some moved to Australia, uh, one moved to America, and some stayed in Ireland on the farm and field. They were children of Philip Marr. The family name that ran through the family was Thomas Francis Marr, named after the great patriot Thomas Francis Marr, who was from Ireland, a great book on him, uh, The Immortal Irishman. And Thomas Francis Marr was a politician and a great spokesman and a a rebel, and during the famine, he was was banned to uh, Van Diemen's Land. And then he um, escaped Van Diemen's Land, made his way to New York City. And long story short, became a Civil War hero because the Irish were were being recruited to the Civil War. And then he ended up as the governor of Montana where he mysteriously drowned. And there's actually a statue of him this day. So His name was passed through the family. I don't think he's a direct relation. So my great-grandfather, Thomas Francis Marr, and his wife, Bridget Marr, came over to the United States of America, leaving Anfield and County uh, Templemore Farm of Anfield. And they came here to the United States and they had three boys. The oldest boy was Thomas Francis Marr. Name passed on, Mahar. Second oldest was uh, Jeremiah Mahar, my grandfather. The third was James Mahar, my great uncle. And uh, my great grandparents moved to Tipperary Hill and Willa On Tipperary Hill and Willis but that was during the big TB tuberculosis, you know, epidemic. And, and you died if you got tuberculosis. You died today if you get it, but then you're really screwed. And they died. Bridget and Thomas died young. One at the age of. 42 and wanted to believe it. one of 41 and one of 42 left three boys orphaned, orphaned on Tipperary Hill. There was a uh, an orphanage right on the fringes of Tipperary Hill called the Providence House. And the building still stands there. It's a very ominous building. It now hosts uh, Catholic charities. It looks like something out of Hogwarts, anonymous uh, not a friendly building in Hogwarts. but my grandfather and his two brothers ran away. They ran away from the orphanage and ran back up to Tipperary Hill. Which was probably like a mile away. And they were raised by uh, friends from Ireland. And um, my grandfather married um, uh, a German woman on Temporary Hill. And uh, he had uh, many children. He had about five daughters, he had two sons. And my father was um, my father and my uncle Jimmy, who are about 13 years apart. My father's the oldest, and he had about five sisters, I think. My father was this big guy, you know, and my father and his friends were well, you know, they were rascals on Tipperary Hill in those days, you know, uh, growing up in the, you know, uh, early 40s and the 40s and the early 50s, all the high school by the early 50s and, you know, into the army and all this kind of stuff. But that, the family stayed around that area and then we ended up moving a little outside of, of that area. But that area has always meant so much to me because that's where my heritage came from. And on our honeymoon, my wife and I had the opportunity to go back to Ireland, go back to Templemore, go back to the farm on Anfield and meet my cousins, meet my great, great, great cousin, who was my great grandfather's niece, who'd be my great cousin. And she spoke a little about that in the history. And it was really, uh, really incredible to um, to really uh, be able to experience that, you know, to experience uh, that family. But, but, but through that all, uh, what was always you know, uh, instilled on us in St. Patrick's. Sure, there was the drinking and the green beer and all that kind of stuff when you're younger, and, but it was always the music. Always the Irish music was playing in our house. And the, you know, the Irish um, decorations, you know, they weren't these green, green tacky hats, but it was the music. And some of the readings, some of the great poets, from Yeats, you know, to the uh, confusing James Joyce. And I think of the modern-day wonderful Irish music that comes out today that has come out, you know, and you think over the last, you know, 40 years, some of this wonderful music that just came from Ireland. I mean, you think of the U2, you think of um uh, the Waterboys and, and the Pogies, and some of these bands from Ireland are just incredible, you know, Van Morrison, and uh, that's what it's really all about. So this celebration of St. Patrick's Day and the green is all about all of that heritage, you know, bubbling up once a year, bubbling up. I don't even think I ever had a corned beef sandwich when I was in Ireland, to be honest with you. I think I had some fish. I don't think we ever ate corned beef sandwich in Ireland. I'll eat them over here though. I remember talking one day to my cousin over there and I said, you know, Oh, you know, at St. Patrick's. He goes, Oh, you guys celebrating St. Patrick's stay over there. How are you a You know, all the green beer and stuff. Oh my god, you guys drinking that. I think we're gonna start doing it over here now, figuring out that there's money to be made doing that. You know, we're gonna start doing it over here because there's some money to be made. Yeah, you guys, you know. So um it really, uh, it really is um, uh, such a wonderful um, holiday, St. Patrick's Day, and it really uh, uh, means a lot. So here we are kicking off St. Patrick's Day uh, week, and they had the big parade yesterday here. here. You know, big parade and the snowstorm, which it always is, and, and the whole week on Temporary Hill here will be celebrations and celebrations, and you know, the green beer truck came in last weekend, and they had the big shamrock run, and some people just, you know, take all the work off for the entire St. Patrick's Day holiday and they'll uh, celebrate it. But as we move the week, I want to, you know, really talk about the lineage of, you know, my history and my relationship to to my high-risk groups and how, and how they always came back to help me. You know, however you were in the country, it always seemed like a little bit of Ireland was traveling with me in some way or another. And it was really um, just wonderful to be able to um, have that, you know. I know everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Everybody's a little bit Irish. I really get peeved off when people don't wear green on St. Patrick's Day. Come on, give me a break. You know, now it's so accepted that the Irish are just so a mainstream. You know, an Irish name is so mainstream. that it's hard to believe that there was a time where where they weren't. You know, it's hard to believe that there was a time where they were they were looked upon as the dirt of the earth. You know, and and the great story of the um the the Indians. And I don't have the Indian. Uh, tribe over here, but during the Great Famine, there were uh, the Native Americans, excuse me, the Native Americans who sent over support to, I think it was the Chikawa, if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to double check that, but I might be wrong, who sent over financial support to the Irish who were starving in Ireland because they understood what it was like to be oppressed. Isn't that beautiful? They're over here being oppressed and having their country taken away from them, these beautiful Native Americans who who relished and and treated this land with so much respect and reverence. And they're watching it being destroyed and being stripped away and their customs being ripped out of their souls. And yet they are sending financial support, financial support in the 1800s, the mid-1800s, across the ocean to Ireland, which might as well be the moon at that time, to help these starving individuals who are actually being starved out of their country. You know, the thing that got Thomas Francis Marr all fired up back in the day was that while the Irish were starving, exports were going out of Waterford. Exports were going out of Waterford. It was a tactic. They were starving the Irish out of Ireland. Uh, But this hardy, this hardy folks with their whimsical humor and their mystical blinking, glowing, sparkling in their eye are always there. And I love the way, you know, you think of, I love the way, you know, many of the Irish who've influenced me have used humor over the years. Humor. Humor to deal with tragedy. Humor to deal with crisis. Humor to diffuse situations, but humor to put things into perspective. And not humor in a mocking way, but humor in a a storytelling way. Humor in a diffusing way. And in many ways, those were the gifts of the Irish. And all cultures have gifts. All cultures that come here have tremendous gifts, and we only open up and learn. and I think I'm off my soapbox. But anyway, we're kicking off a wonderful, wonderful week of St. Patrick's Day, and we're going to be talking about some more. I can't wait to get into my story when I got down to New York City, and how the great restaurant of Rosie O'Grady's on 7th Avenue in New York City took me in, took me in like a native son. But I hear Jungle Jim playing that music. I think it's time to get out of here. This is Failing Up, kicking off St. Patrick's Day week. I hope you're having a wonderful day on Failing Up. Take it away, jungle Jim.